1: Do you wear a Fitbit? Time to put it on. We're tracking all your fitness numbers on Device and Virtue. Hey, welcome back to Device and Virtue, where we argue the wrongs and rights of technology and faith in everyday life. We're coming to you from Chicago, I'm Chris. And I'm Adam, and today we're talking about fitness tracking. Yes. But
2: first, Chris, you are lying. You are not in Chicago. You are wearing a tank top while I have a sweater on. (laughs) A wool
1: sweater. Where are you, Chris? We're coming to you from (laughs) Chicago and Honolulu. (laughs) Honolulu. (laughs) Which is true. I'm in Honolulu, Hawaii. You are stuck in Chicago. I've heard that there was a lot of snow on the ground there, huh? I mean, we're 80
2: degrees apart in temperature and we're 80 degrees apart in <laughs> longitude.
1: Which is I don't know if definitely that's true. not true, but I'm glad you did the parallel <laughs> structure. Yeah, I have gotten away from Chicago and you, Adam, I'm sad, for a month just dodging out of the winter, and it was possibly the best decision I've made <laughs> in, it is, in my life. because this is because one of the I've coldest
2: re- winters I remember in the recent history.
1: Chicago is in the heart of COVID winter. And uh, you're right, I have been getting outside, it's been about 75 to 80 degrees. There are palm trees here, there are beaches, there are people (laughs) strolling along the beaches. It's just relaxed and it's changed my mood so much, which is probably why we're talking about fitness tracking because I'm gonna be honest, I've been outside doing a whole lot more exercise than I was doing during the ice and snow era. That's amazing. I haven't
2: exercised in a year
1: since COVID.
2: That's not totally true. I, I did oh, gotcha. I did go running a, a couple uh, times last fall, but that was it. My normal routine is, is way off base. I, I love that you even
1: agreed to this topic because it's sort of weird for a winter topic probably, but maybe it's because I was here and thinking about it. I love tracking all sorts of things about my body which sounds weird to say (laughs) like tracking when you run tracking when i sleep tracking so the number of steps i take every day (laughs) the when i first arrived in hawaii i just met up with some friends a couple friends from a local church i didn't know them but they we got introduced to them and the guy was like hey you just arrived and i'm like yeah i'm so out of shape i'm so looking forward to just being able to get out and run this month and mm-hmm. bike around the city. And he said, perfect. I have a group of people from church jumping into the Nike Run Club app, and we're going to do what's called a running challenge on the app, where you have, like, he has 20 people in there that signed up for it, and they did oh, a wow. target. They did 88 miles in oh, the month of February to run. This is all Hawaii Holy church cow. people, so everyone can just be jealous of the church and So that's, <laughs> but yeah, right. But the goal right.
2: was... To run 88 miles. So like four miles a day or something like that? Three miles a day?
1: Yeah, I guess I was. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to do this. I'm sort of visiting for a while. But my friend Morgan from the Quick to Listen podcast was also like, hey, you could do this. Yeah. And she is doing it. And so I said, you know what? I'll do it. I did 60 miles as my goal, not 88 miles. But that's essentially three, five miles a week. When in Honolulu. Right? Exactly. I have been literally running down Waikiki Beach, Adam. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Sorry. All right. I'm just jealous right now. (laughs) So, I mean, that's what got me thinking about it. It's really motivational to be in the middle of a challenge. And so, I ran my first five miles. I I downloaded the Nike Plus app on my watch, on my Apple Watch. I had not used it before. Hit start, ran, came home. It sort of tracked, you know, obviously, like how far you run and how fast you're running. Also, I had heart rate, came home, hit stop, uploaded it to my phone, and then jumped me onto the leaderboard for the challenge. So I could see all of the 20 people in there and I could see other people ran two miles that day. Someone else ran eight miles. I was like, dang it, I'm already behind. And <laughs> it's really fun. I'm sure you have all sorts of questions that you would love to ask me about all my fitness tracking habits, but I'm gonna start <laughs> with the idea that I love that I, I can sort of be motivated by other people. So, Well, I know that,
2: all the listeners of the Device and Virtue podcast have journeyed with you and your Apple Watch because I remember there was a time when you got an Apple Watch and then you returned it. You got it for <laughs> <You're> Christmas. <right. laughs> and then you returned (laughs) it you and you were i mean we had this emotional conversation on an episode (laughs) and then like maybe a year later we checked back in and you you had caved again and gotten the apple watch and so now you've had this apple watch for
1: how long now has it been a year I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, man, before that, I've had a bunch of fitness trackers, though. And you know how people call these wearables sometimes, but I had an older one before the Apple Watch. It was a Garmin Vivo Smart. you know. Uh, That's what they called them. (laughs) And it it didn't have a nice color screen like the Apple Watch, but it tracked steps, it tracked when I ran. Other people have, like, Fitbits. Most of them, of course, these wearables, like, they go on their wrist. There are other kind of new wearables, I've heard, that can, like, be on your ankle or something, or, like...
2: Yeah, and Amazon, I think, is introducing a new wrist tracker called Halo. It doesn't have a screen, interestingly, yes. but it's doing some other things.
1: Yes, this one is brand new, and this is really interesting because it can do other things like listen to the tone of your voice yes, right, and check right. your mood. Right, right. So I guess the question is, what do we think about all this quantification? What does it mean that I'm measuring my steps and my sleep, which I'll tell you about, I also measure my sleep. And (laughs) does this have an effect on us? Does it have an effect on how we perform? Does it affect how we relate to ourselves or other people? So that's what I figured we'd talk about.
2: All right. So Chris, when it comes to fitness tracking, one of the technical terms that they sort of talk about today is this term quantified self. Quantified self. Right. It's the term that emerged about 10 years ago with kevin kelly who was a former editor at wired magazine found co- oh, co-founder of wired magazine yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> right he, he talks about what technology wants in one of his books which nice. i love but but this idea of the quantified self is kind of built on this motto that there is self-knowledge through numbers so i can come mm-hmm. to know myself i can come to understand who i am in some way through numbers and they're really pressing down on this idea that unless something can be measured, it can't be improved. So there's this inherent Mm -hmm. idea that with the quantified self, I want to improve who I am. I wanna come to know who I am, but then I wanna improve on it. And without measurement, I can't do that. Sure, Which I think is a really interesting underpinning of the, the belief behind why we should quantify our activity. But I'm curious to hear from you because I don't have an Apple Watch. I don't have a Fitbit. The only nope. thing I've ever done is track my, uh, <laughs> track my steps. There was a time I tracked oh, really? my keystrokes okay. on my keyboard, what? but that was, that was ridiculous. <laughs> I, there was, it was completely useless. But I'm curious. So this idea of the quantified self, do you feel like you are a quantified person? so
1: i'll be honest i just i learned the term quantified self recently qs is sometimes how they determine <laughs> yeah. it and found you know even a ted talk from 2010 on this so yeah. you know this has definitely been a, a a term that was picking up steam but yes i have been recording things for as long as it's been possible to <laughs> <laughs> record things maybe it's my personality okay like so here's some things i record i do have the apple watch and one of the reasons i got it is because it has the heart rate sensor on the bottom of it right it has the two little green lights okay. that shine into your wrist and like it sort of shines through your blood uh, vessels what are they like little veins yeah veins on the outside of your wrist in- arteries right Uh, I think arteries on the inside and veins are on the outside (laughs) says everything Chris learned from biology class in ninth grade. So, (laughs) <laughs> but it shines You learned more than head. I did. That's all I remember when I'm, we're, we're, we're gonna get 14 letters just for that comment. But like, like the light shines through my wrist and like it calculates your heart rate, right? So right off the top, okay. I love the heart rate measurements. And I used to have the chest straps that would wrap all the way around your chest and use an electric diode on your chest to do your heart rate that way. <laughs> I used to have one when I ran and that would show it to me sort of on my phone, but then the Apple Watch was more convenient. And here's why I love that i think you remember this i was in military rotc in college and in high school and i we used to go on group runs on a regular basis right you sort of have to run like or you have to also pass fitness tests and the whole thing about the military is mind over body if you're in pain shut the heck up. This is not like a, a yoga mind over body <laughs> in the sense of like a mindfulness quiet. This is like, there's a drill instructor yelling at you and you're going to keep running even if you don't want to, you know what I'm Ugh, saying? That sounds terrible. I, I mean, that's how, so we used to run in high school and we used to run in college in formation or independently when you're going to pass your test. And so your heart could be pounding through your chest, your breathing could be like, <gasps> You're gasping for breath. Your face is super (laughs) red. But you just got to keep on going because someone's screaming at you. And so I learned, I mean, in the military, people will actually hurt themselves because, (laughs) especially in basic training, because they overpress their body, right? And so I've had a habit of overpressing myself if I really wanted me to go when I'm just running or biking or physically. When I got the heart rate monitor, it became a, a quantification, a real number that I could look at to see if I'm really in trouble or not. So I will look at my watch and when it says, like, so most people's resting heart rate is like, I don't know, mine's like in the 50s or 60s, like 55 beats per minute. When I run, a lot of people run and you get, when you do aerobics or, you know, you do yoga sometimes like your heart rate can be anywhere from like 130 beats a minute to for a lot of people, like 170. Mine will actually, just because of my body, I know I'm a little bit unusual. will go up to like 180 or sometimes even 190. But when you, Hmm. when it goes up that high, that's when you start to feel flushed and overwhelmed and really tired. And I can look at my wrist when I'm running and if I'm feeling tired and want to quit, I just feel like, oh, I just want to walk for a little bit. If I look at my wrist and it says one fifty, I know that it's actually not that high. Like I can go hmm. higher than that and be healthy and fine. And so I make the choice to keep running. If I am feeling flustered and like really tired and look at my wrist and it says 190, I, I am legitimately like at my body's at its limit. I need to slow down or walk for a little bit. And I do. And so, like, I love that it's a real decision. I can make it off the data. And and you think that
2: only by having the watch would you, you would be able to identify when you're
1: between one hundred and fifty and one hundred and ninety. Sure. I I get it, but sometimes it's mental. Like a lot of running and being athletic is mental. Like you're sort of like, ah, I just don't want to press through this right now. And the watch, the number helps me determine, (laughs) am I pressing through? So a good example, right? This is one of the reasons why I love this stuff. Okay. Other examples. That's my running example. I measure other stuff too, Adam. Actually, did you see, uh, did you see the database I sent you?
2: That was a massive database, Chris. Like
1: the whole spreadsheet. How, how many years of data is that? <laughs> so that's from my sleep app. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you use one of these. I use the app. What is it called? It's called Sleep Cycle, and okay. you you know plug in your iPhone, put it in your bed. And it sleeps with me every night, <laughs> and and I turn it on, and it tracks like how you sleep all night, and of it uses the accelerometer chip inside the phone to determine how the phone is moving on the mattress. So if it sort of moves around a lot, you're tossing and turning a lot, and okay. if it's very calm, it knows you're sort of sleeping. Therefore, it determines like are you in like early sleep or like REM sleep, REM sleep, or REM or sleep, yeah. you know are you dreaming? And it does a graph for you every night. I sort of like that. And then the theory is it wakes you up when you're rested. So you don't don't jump out of a dream oh, yeah? or something. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So that's cool. I jumped onto my app right before this episode and hit download on my data and did not realize that I could download everything into a spreadsheet. It's recorded 2,500 different nights of sleep for me, which goes all the way back to 2014. <laughs> Wait, so
2: you have, you have over almost seven years of data is what you're saying. You have seven years
1: of sleep data. Yeah, on a spreadsheet. It was so cool. Didn't you just love browsing that? There was like how many seconds I've slept every night, how many seconds it took me to fall asleep. <laughs> there were little notes on like how I felt that day, which because I like do little notes to myself, like whether it's a good day or a bad day. Do you want to know my average, my average time of sleep over seven years? Yeah. What's your average time? I am asleep on average, 26,048 seconds a night. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a lot. (laughs) Which which equals uh, about seven and a quarter hours. So about seven hours and 15 minutes is my average sleep. Oh, that's not. I did not, I did not know that until I
2: just worked that spreadsheet. That sounds like a healthy amount. Do you feel good about seven hours and 15 minutes of sleeping every night? No, I need eight hours of sleep. So this means I have I've had
1: a lot <laughs> of bad nights of sleep.
2: <laughs> I had quite the free reign on this spreadsheet. I can tell that you don't snore a lot. So that's good. Thank you. I'd say that's a good sign in general. There were there were six days in August when you snored, but I don't know what that's about. So maybe you were, <laughs> okay. maybe you were nervous or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just not getting enough air, man. But the real question for me here is, you have 2,500 lines of data about your sleep. Right. So what? (laughs) How is that helping your life? How is it improving your life? What can you do with that data, with that self-knowledge, that quantified self-knowledge? What can you do with that data to... Like they were saying, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. How do you improve your life with 2,500 lines of data on your sleep?
1: Okay. I'm laughing, but it's a good question because, I mean, for the running, I gave you an example. Like, I think I take care of my body better when I'm running with a heart rate, but with the sleep data... Or like a lot of other things I do, I also like let Google timeline track me so it shows where I go around the city, <laughs> you know, like GPS things. I mean, I take photos everywhere. Sometimes of just things I want to remember. I, there's all these different ways I track things. But the sleep yeah. data, for instance, you're right, I, I don't use it really. This is the first time I've actually looked at it in a long time. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I sort of like the idea that I'm tracking it every night. Maybe yeah, I feel I good that. about tracking it I sometimes maybe imagine in my head that I'm going to like analyze it one day, do aggression analysis. I mean, we learned that in college usually, right? Like you try to decide what were the factors that contribute to better sleep. So, you know, I could say like I take melatonin sometimes like the the herbal sleep thing, you know, and like does that really help you get good sleep? Or I tracked for a while if I drank like a beer too late at night before bed. And I actually sort of found with this early on, maybe years ago, that if I did drink a beer before bed, like I slept worse. And they warn you about that, right? They say alcohol is not great for sleep. And it was true for me. So I guess I confirmed what everyone already says in health things. It was true for me. So, I mean. (laughs) Did the data tell you that? Or did
2: your like instincts tell you that about the beer?
1: the, The alcohol thing, I think I started learning that through small sample set sizes. Like I look at it. Not with that whole spreadsheet, but I looked at it in the app a little bit and noticed that I didn't sleep as well when I had that box checked. But Okay, okay. But you're right. I have not really gotten into a lot of this data. And maybe, you know, in the MIT article that you sent me about the quantified self, you t- they had talked about a lot of people that record a lot of data about themselves, but actually don't right. use it for much. I sort of relate. Right. <laughs>
2: And honestly, I'm ribbing you a little bit. I'm giving you a hard time about collecting all this data, but I actually can relate to the impulse to gather a lot of data about myself. I like the idea of regression analysis or whatever, finding you know, all these causes that are related to, to different things. And looking for patterns in the data. That all interests me, but it is a point where I get overwhelmed with it and I wonder how meaningful it is in improving what's going on in my life. I think the bigger question in my mind is as we translate our heart rate and our sleep patterns and our steps per day and all of this into data, as we translate our bodies into data, and understand something about ourselves, what is left out of that data? What do we not see in the data that is still true about us that the data can't show us, that the numbers can't show us?
0: This episode is brought to you by the Grace Enough podcast. Listen to these conversations and more by searching Grace Enough Podcast on your favorite listening app or by visiting graceenoughpodcast.com.
1: So one of the questions you always ask Adam about technology is how does it change our relationship to ourselves? How do technologies change our relationship to ourselves, to others, to God, to the environment around us, but ourself, like this body thing seems like a clear self question, but you just sort of mentioned like, what kind of things does the data leave out? And that gets into who am I as a self? You know, what, what kind of things am I seeing? Like right. <laughs> I'm not my running time really, although right. running time is part of what I do. Yeah. There's how it changes my relationship to my body And then how it changes my relationship to even like my emotions and maybe my spirit too, which is not really Mm -hmm. what fitness trackers are doing. But obviously as like people of faith, we're going to think like that. Right. I was thinking about, and this is an excursus, but it makes sense. I was thinking about like what kind of data did we use to track before the digital age really hit us? And okay. I think there was body data that got tracked, right? But I think one of the common things was this: people's weight, right? Like on a scale, like you'd have a scale in the bathroom, and people obviously right, still right. do this. Yeah. You could step on the scale and check your weight and tons of people, like millions and millions of Americans think about their weight a lot and think about that one number. <laughs> and right. you know, no, I'm absolutely. supposed to weigh this and now I weigh this and that's a measure of my health. And in some Mm -hmm. ways, that's helpful. Americans clearly have, we have an obesity problem, probably we're overweight, it contributes to a lot of health problems, says a lot of medical experts. But for the person, the individual, just measuring your weight is actually can get really fixated and leave out a lot when you're talking about the leaving out. It can really mess with your identity to yourself. Like right? You think, oh, well, I mean, if you're a guy that feels like sort of skinny and you feel like, I need to have more muscles, I need to sort of bulk up, then you're looking for that weight to be more than it is, you know? And you sort of feel right. like maybe you're not a man <laughs> or you're not worth it or someone won't like you. Or if you're like, for you feel like you're overweight and you want that number to be lower and they're probably the same reasons you don't like yourself or you're worried other people won't like you or we're actually mm. worried about health you know you want that number every single time to be lower the problem with the weight number is well it's a general measure it can really throw things off i mean you can lose weight really fast and really hard if you want to like wrestlers will cut you know, stop eating and like, I don't know what they do. They make them drink like salt water to flush it. I don't know, flush out water out of their bodies. (laughs) So they drop, you know, suddenly like eight pounds in a week and that gets your number The place you want it to be, but it's super unhealthy. It's not a very holistic measure of how our bodies work, right? Or, I mean, you know, I can cut off an arm, an arm weighs a lot and I would weigh less, (laughs) but then like I'd literally lose an arm and that would be terrible. Like the weight number, I could obsess with the one number and it would leave out incredibly important parts of me. And that's the first thing I think of when you ask about what is this leaving out and how do we relate to ourself? What do you think?
2: When I think about quantifying my body's activity and characteristics about my body. Honestly, I think about a lot more intangible qualities about myself that I think are more important to me, how far I can run or how fast or what my resting heart rate is. Those are interesting, but to me, there are deeper qualities of You know, am I a generous person or am I a sympathetic person or am I a forgiving person? Am I fair to other people? Like Those to me are qualities that maybe a number could point towards, but certainly not totally encompass. To me, those are the qualities that are in, in a relational world are more important than the numbers that I can track with an Apple Watch.
1: <laughs> okay, I feel like you're looking, making me look bad. <laughs> That's not my intention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you're saying there's the important parts about who we are as ourselves includes our character and our virtue. And a Fitbit yeah. just isn't gonna measure that. Yeah. Would you think, like, obviously the Fitbits measure physical characteristics, but if you could measure, say, the number of times you gave money to someone who's experiencing homelessness a month. You talked about generosity. (laughs) I'm just thinking if there was like a measurable thing to measure those things, would you think it would be worth it to track those kind of things? Or do you think the tracking in general is just like not
2: helpful? I don't think that tracking in and of itself is a bad thing or something to be eschewed. i think there is value in tracking things i even think just about from a biblical point of view we're all, often called to remember and what your sleep tracker is telling you is actually track it's actually recording your history and it's calling you to remember things about your history and and i think there could be value there in looking back on the past and letting it stir up a memory or recall you to something that you had committed to. Like if you, you know, found yourself really healthy in February because you're running every day in Honolulu, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, your body data is maybe going to record that. And it's going to remind you that, oh, I'm healthier when I do these things. And I'm more myself when I do these things and I'm more generous when I do these things. So I think there is a value Mm -hmm. in recording our history and then using that to prompt our memory and call us to be better people, more loving people.
1: Yeah. I was praying with my my buddy and prayer partner the other day, and I was struggling with some stuff. And he said to me, that's not who you are. Hmm. And that stuck with me a lot and it was really frustrating for me at the moment. No, it was really encouraging for me (laughs) at the moment. But I mean, he was using identity language, identity sort of in God to like, let me rethink as I was thinking about the week and my memory and stuff. I just think, I love how this is all related, our memory of who we are, our identity of what we want to aspire to be. And you're talking about being measured in character, but even like being measured in like, how fit I am (laughs) or these kind of things. The numbers seem to have a slippery place in virtue because they simultaneously tell the truth, they're truth telling in some ways, or they can tell part of the truth about who we are, Mm -hmm. whether I feel like it's my heart rate or whether I'm giving to someone that is experiencing homelessness. Either way, it's telling some true things. So like I don't lie to myself about how I've been. We can do that easily. Yeah. (laughs) Look, I, oh, I definitely run. Uh, I remember telling someone one year like, they're like, how fast do you run? And I was like, ah, I often run like 730 miles. And the reality was, at that point, I just moved down to Bridgeport and I was running closer to 820 miles. The previous year, I had run 730 miles and I was like really good, but I was like sort of remembering it a little bit better than it was, like that was true before, <laughs> but it was not true now. And when I looked at uh-huh. the actual numbers, cause I remembered saying that out loud to that person, I went home and actually looked and I was a little bit lying. Like, I mean, I wasn't intentionally lying, <laughs> but I was misremembering how good I was. And so those numbers have some truth telling ability that helps me aspire to my memory to be true. And then it allows me to aspire in my identity correctly. What's interesting is I think people worry about the numbers becoming our focus and our relationship to ourself. They become the whole identity. Like I am the person that does this, you know, number set and that goes awry. And I'm liking the fact that the numbers can actually mix into my identity in a healthy way. I'm not sure what the rails are to keep me from becoming unhealthy on that. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah, I think when you said they tell part of the story or they tell part of the truth, some of the truth about who I am, I think that's true. I think it does tell part of who we are, but I think we need to have it be part of a larger story in order for it to make sense of who we are and be part of a larger story that is informed by other truths as well. So Chris, What if I told you that you could have a custom t-shirt tailored specifically for your body? All you would have to do is send naked pictures to Amazon.
1: (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a family podcast, Adam. I saw that article you sent me. Naked from the waist up. (laughs) Yes, right. About like, what does it do? It like scans your body fat?
2: Yeah, you stand in front of your phone, and you take pictures from every side, and it creates a 3D body image, and then they make a t-shirt all for you. They're using the same (laughs) data, they're using the same technology for their new Halo app. Amazon's Halo device is scanning your body using your phone, and then it's calculating using artificial intelligence, it's calculating your body fat, and
1: telling you how to be healthier i honestly think this is amazing and i totally want to do it because <laughs> like you just sent me these and i did not know this was even a thing i think it's pretty new but yeah like amazon saying like new. you can put your phone there wear very tight flitting clothing or like you know take off your shirt and it can scan your body fat percentage which is a thing that's really hard to measure like a lot of times you have to go to the doctor's office to measure that and I think it's a healthier metric than just weight, right? I have trouble getting t-shirts off the shelf that fit me, right? So like, uh, yes, <laughs> I would like to know my body fat percentage. And like when I arrived at Hawaii, I would love to have a comparison for like when I arrived the first day, like, and then i have been working <laughs> out way more consistently. I'm running three times a week. I'm on biking every day and i would love to know in 3 or 4 weeks how would i do on that if it could rescan me yes i think that's super cool <laughs> i know it goes to amazon and I'm, but, I'm afraid you're about to say amazon yeah. the big corporation is about is like eating all our data is this right yeah how do you feel and and i'm curious
2: you may know more about this than i do with the apple watch but amazon's gathering all this data apple's gathering all this data i'm sure google's gathering all this data All these tech giants are gathering all of this data about what your t-shirt size is and what your body fat percentage is. Isn't that a violation of privacy?
1: Well, aren't violations of privacy a feeling? And a feeling is one of the operative words, right? Because it's not just (laughs) knowledge about ourselves, it's when we feel uncomfortable about knowledge about ourselves being known, right? Yeah, it's when something that is
2: appropriately private becomes comes into the public domain and becomes public possession.
1: Well what's appropriately private, like our bodies have always been things that are somewhat public in the sense that I walk down the street and everyone can see that I'm five six. I'm sort of a shorter guy. And it's always okay. immediately apparent anytime I walk into a room or I meet someone. That's fine, you know, but like it's not something I can hide from someone. My eyes are color is blue. You can see that if you're up close to me, you know, like and you're gazing into my eyes like you are now, Adam. <laughs> 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 Just easy. But like these are physical characteristics of me, but I don't actually have the ability, even though they're part of my identity and who I am. Maybe we can, I guess we could talk about that. Yep. They're not things that are private to me. That are things that anyone that I know knows. So,
2: <clears throat> so, but what does it mean when that body fat percentage has a number and I can compare my number to your number? So it's not just I can (laughs) sort of get a general sense of this versus that. I can sort of get a general sense that you're taller than this guy and shorter than that guy. But like I can put a number to it and I can say this guy is 20%
1: taller than you. Right? Yeah, I guess companies, I mean, I'm being overly positive Amazon certainly will use this data to sell us more things, right? So like if it knows my t-shirt size, it could get better at recommending clothes that fits me. Like I could see a little thing lighting up on Amazon that says this fits you perfectly, you know, and I'd be more (laughs) likely to buy it. I don't buy a lot of clothes online because you'd never know if it's really going to fit. It's like harder to do. So I could see that being a huge advantage for them for more sales. So I think they would have that data and they would use it to sell me things. I think if you want to get way more... Dark in the way that kind of data could be used. You know, you mentioned to me right before we started recording how some insurance companies are starting to give bonuses for health data, right? Yeah, I think it may be. And they're really careful to frame it like uh, an insurance company gives you a discount if you wear like a fitness app or within certain numbers like a body fat percentage is probably one of those numbers as opposed to saying you get a penalty for being (laughs) a number above that but in medical insurance companies know that if you have a body fat percentage over a certain type there's a lot you may be more likely to have diabetes or other very expensive or difficult health problems and so they want to incentivize that but i think that starts to financially affect people if that number starts to get measured by everybody it goes into a big data set Absolutely, that we discriminate a little bit based around somebody features and then you can slide yes. all the way down the scary scale into Gattaca of course one of my favorite technology bio movies where you remember with genetic code they would sort of say well this person is likely to be obese or not smart or whatever it is and so they discriminated against people across the board mm-hmm. by knowing that yeah you sort of do get into questions about does this body data does amazon t-shirt scan lead us down a road of we're discriminating against people whole categories yeah,
2: already automotive insurance is willing to give you a discount if you're willing to put a tracker inside your car so that they can track yeah. whether you're going the speed limit and how far you travel, and you can get a discount for that. Translate that to our bodies. And if if I'm willing to wear a wristwatch and get a discount, and maybe even they buy me the wristwatch, then they're willing to track that. And what happens when more and more of that data of gets hoovered up by these insurance companies because when we track things even as individuals when we track things our intention is to improve on those things and to make it more advantageous for ourselves and that's what we do when we have data we go from measuring to controlling Mm. and when we give up that data to A large corporation they're going to track it for a while and then they're going to think about how can we leverage this to our
1: benefit i i think it's true but just to swing it back to being overly positive again because that's me one (laughs) advantage to large corporations getting large amounts of data is what apple is doing right now with the health research on apple watches so I mean, for the first time in our lives, millions and millions of people are wearing a smart device that's measuring body statistics, and they're doing three major health research projects that are unprecedented right now. They have one about women's menstrual cycles, and you do this if you want to, you can log that on an app. We've never had millions and millions of women being able to do that data across an app before. They're doing stuff on hearing loss, like the Apple Watch can measure how loud something is, you know, decibels. I'm not going to lie, by the way, earlier today, Adam, I was sitting at a hotel and they had a waterfall inside the hotel. (laughs) and the waterfall was so loud I actually opened my Apple watch and checked the decibel limit and it was like 88 decibels and the Apple watch Whoa. warned me like you shouldn't be in this level of loudness for more than an hour because it can cause hearing loss so I moved back hmm. I'm sorry just you know outdoor Hawaii stories I just feel like I need to do that and then the third one they're <laughs> doing is a heart health study thing where they're measuring just people going up and down stairs and things across millions of people and like how, how likely you are to get like heart disease and be hospitalized and these studies are unprecedented because we've always had doctors and medical research but when we do health studies we have to choose like a hundred people and they have to wear these you know trackers and do logs we've never been able to do health studies across a million people say i mean we're going to learn crazy amazing things about our health and our bodies from some of these studies because everyone can be tracked in this aggregate way and so i want to say yes the privacy thing could go awry but the group corporate data thing has some real potential to change how we do medical science. Beat that. (laughs) (laughs) Say something sort of grudging and funny. Chris,
2: I was really excited when you wanted to do an episode on fitness trackers because one of the first places my mind went was actually to the Pope. Not the current Pope, (laughs) Francis, but the Pope I think he's two two popes ago, maybe John Paul, the second. And mm-hmm. in the early eighties for about four years, four or five years, he spent every Wednesday, his public address was a, on, get this, a theology of the body. And I did not
1: realize he did that as a public address. Like over yeah, the years. Okay, cool. He, yeah.
2: I think he had 180 addresses to uh, a public audience every Wednesday for about four or five years, just a lot of big ideas about the human body. But it really caused me to start asking, what is a body for? And what are we to do with our bodies? One of the big ideas is this idea of freedom, the freedom that we have with our bodies. And one of the things he says is that we're actually free to have mastery over ourselves, to have self-control is sort of how he talks about it. But he says that 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 self-mastery, that self-control is indispensable, but it's for this purpose. It's so that we can give ourselves to another person. He Mm -hmm. has this profound idea that when we have control over our bodies, when we have mastery over our passions and our impulses and our desires and our thoughts and our feelings, We're able to gather all of that up and then give it as a gift to another person. And I find that really inspiring, really profound. And when I think about what is my body for, it challenges me to go back then and think about fitness tracking and ask, how does fitness tracking allow me to move towards this sense of self mastery and self control, in order that I mm. might give my body as a gift to another person or to God.
1: Hmm. Yeah. The scriptural examples seem to be like, you know, that I memorized this when I was a kid. That you, you know, your body is a temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. Your body at a price. So honor God with your body. Yeah. And then the giving upness. I mean, I was thinking when you were saying that, I'm like, where does that come from? From Scripture, the giving of the body. And then it gets really obvious, uh, like Jesus gives his body. <laughs> right, right. And, and that's one
2: thing that the Pope sort of draws on is that Adam and Eve failed to give their body to God in trust. They failed to trust that God was going to give of himself to them. But what happens is Jesus gives himself perfectly. He trusts that God will give to him everything he needs even to the point of death, so that Jesus reclaims what Adam and Eve had failed to do in trusting God with their bodies. He entrusts his body all the way to the end, obedient unto death, and then
1: he is given it back. This is my body given for you. I mean, this is what we say when we do communion in our church, mm-hmm. The taken from you know the Gospels. The, it does make me rethink the way that the numbers work because we're working into the idea of stewardship I mean earlier I was trying to go okay I can see how this goes awry but I'm not sure what the rails are and maybe some of it is like that ownership bit of like I have this body I'm sort of stuck with it unless I want to get really crazy and get into like plastic surgery and if I obsess about what I'm trying to change with my numbers like I'm trying to get that body fat percentage that Amazon takes a photo of down to like this very sort of very low level so I look like beautiful in the eyes of my culture, I could get obsessed with that. I could get messed up with that. If I'm taking care of my body for the sake of another, then my focus gets changed. I could watch those numbers, but maybe uh, not run off the cliff. (laughs)
2: Yeah, again, we talked about when the numbers are isolated from other things, we can kind of go off the rails. But if they're given a context, those numbers can actually lead us towards a purpose towards a goal that is beyond ourselves. And in reality, like that is what worship is. It's this idea that we give our bodies to something. Everyone worships something. And the Pope even talks about that a little bit. He says, we always have that freedom to give ourselves to another, but it's always with the potential of being distorted that we, hmm. we twist our priorities in such a way that we give our bodies to things that don't deserve to have our devotion or it's in the wrong order. But if we are able to put that thing on your wrist in the right order, it actually affords us the opportunity to give ourselves to others and give ourselves to God in a way that is rightly ordered.
1: I will say I like the picture. I'll also say that being a single guy, sometimes the context of this feels like the giving to a self, I just hear marriage in the background of this. And I think it seems very true about marriage as a single person, it feels a little bit harder to be like, okay, well, where do I give my body to anyone? You know, like if I choose to run or not run, it affects me and my health, but I'm not sure it affects a lot of other people.
2: Sure. It does. I think it affects other people. When you live a healthy life, you live a life that is buoyed up by the health that you have. And it's an opportunity then for you to encourage others to serve others to give your life in in other ways
1: i think you're right i think there are a lot of options for that i'm just acknowledging that that's the first place my mind went even as i like the picture of it the ability for me to hug someone for comfort or to enjoy my nieces and nephews and family or to even use my body to like you know, help people move stuff upstairs. You know, these kind of things are just ways I can give and serve. And so that there's something right. real there. I'm really good at moving couches, by the way. I'm sort of short and strong and like I just shove that thing through that hole. <laughs> I also don't think there's a Fitbit for the couch moving.
2: That's tragic. If you can't track it, did it really happen? <laughs> All right, Chris, now that we've covered fitness tracking, it's time for vice or virtue.
1: Custom (laughs) t-shirts. Do you know that on Instagram, (laughs) the ad that keeps on running, every time I scroll past on Instagram, is always this custom t-shirt company. (laughs) It's not Amazon, which we're talking about, but it's like somebody. Yeah, I don't know, like maybe I was like browsing something on custom t-shirts or something, but they keep on trying to sell me this (laughs) and I've been very tempted to look at it. I will say like my body, like I was saying before, like I'm shorter than average, but like I'm not skinny. You're just right, Chris, you're just right. (laughs) Like a small t-shirt will be too tight sometimes. And you know, a medium is actually always baggy on me so like I think a custom t-shirt would be golden especially because I don't know if you've noticed this again Adam but I'm in Hawaii and I'm wearing a t-shirt right (laughs) now as we talk while you wear actually I'm wearing a tank top t-shirt while we talk while you wear that big thick sweater and I'm looking at palm trees out my window right now so uh, I don't even care whether it was custom or not I'm gonna say t-shirts this is just a virtue it just creates (laughs) virtue with happiness you know I do I do like t-shirts
2: quite a bit i have a whole closet of t-shirts it's kind of ridiculous it's but it's only only like cur-
1: sort of hipstery curated custom it's very curated t-shirts. i will i will i
2: will it is curated <laughs> yes but i'll be honest like i i couldn't even tell you what color my t-shirt is right now because i haven't seen a t-shirt in like months <laughs> it's just yeah so just it's three it's layers really down sad. huh it's yeah. It's so buried. It's, it's really rough. So I will also say it's a virtue because I miss my t-shirt closet. I don't even, I don't even go in there anymore.
1: Not in, it'll be another four months before I do one day, man. Well, sorry. I pressed the issue and made you talk about outdoor activities today with the fitness trackers. I will let you hope for Hawaii. Like you hope for heaven. And in that way, through your master, the virtue of what you call it, like self-improvement, self-control, you yes. will eventually become more godly. So, Yes. And as I think
2: about the opportunity to wear T-shirts, I will hopefully be motivated to get more fit so that I can wear all my T-shirts in heaven. I mean, I mean, Hawaii. Uh,
1: well, I hope folks got their heart rate up and measured it while they listened to the podcast and yes. if you have opinions about what you measure with your money, let us know on Instagram, Facebook. Device and Virtue. See ya. Good to see you, Chris.